back and listen to like some of our back catalog. No, but there is like a there is genuinely sometimes because sometimes because I post the podcast every two weeks, and so sometimes like I get curious and I will like go back through like earlier episodes just to be like, oh, what did we sound like when we were fucking twenty years old doing this? Like, oh, crazy or twenty one or something when we started this. And there's there's like a a string of episodes where it got really cold <laughs> and every episode starts with a conversation about how cold it is it's like four episodes back to back just me complaining about how cold it is and i feel like this year it's coming back around yeah like i'm fucking freezing we've had the heat on all afternoon and i'm still what my i'm literally sat the heater is to my left, about less than a foot away. It's less than a foot away, guys. Still fucking roasting. So close to him. <laughs> no, I get you. Uh, but I'm I'm not too bad actually. You I'm, seem to I'm be pretty fine. comfortable. Yeah. yeah. I don't get it. I just I I can never like hold heat. <laughs> Genuinely, like I walk around work all day as well, and I'm just like, oh, it's fucking cold in here, isn't it? And then someone else will be like, no, it's roasting. I'm like, you're insane. <laughs> fucking insane. There's something wrong with your, your ability to... Maybe you're... Maybe I'm you're cold-blooded. Yeah, maybe you're cold-blooded. Could be it. Like a vampire? Or just a fish. Are fish cold-blooded? I thought sharks were warm-blooded. Ooh, is sharks warm-blooded? Is a shark a fish? A shark is a fish. I know that. The answer is 42. <laughs> <laughs> Connection. Um, well, I've, actually, we're going somewhere else, aren't we? Have you... Disney Plus just launched. Yeah. But it launched in America. Yeah. It, no, basically everywhere but here. Yeah. The UK is the only country where it's it's a problem. I think I read it was like something to do with Sky... That makes sense. Some kind of, I don't. I don't know. I genuinely did not. Read I, into it, it was going to be anything. I can imagine Sky would some kind of clash would with. want to delay Disney Plus because I think Sky Sky hosts like Sky Movies hosts a lot of Disney films. Mm. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure there's. I don't have Sky Movies, but I'm pretty sure there's a segment. There's a category. Considering for, like, most Disney films movies. are Disney films now. No, I yeah, imagine exactly. He so must they, like, yeah, yeah, around. like, Sky's gonna lose a lot of shit. Like, <laughs> everyone's lost a lot of stuff. Fucking, everyone's been pulled off, like, Netflix. and Netflix, yeah, what if they Hulu lost and all five kind of TV shows yeah. now? <laughs> <laughs> they weren't particularly great towards the end. But. Um, obviously, the, the Mandalorian. Yeah. You know, launch day. The most pirated TV show in, yeah. <laughs> in UK <laughs> history. <laughs> so it's like... You know, obviously, obviously, like we haven't watched. It. No, you, we would never watch it. No, no, because it's not here yet. Exactly. <laughs> we want to pay for our Disney Plus subscription before we watch a Star Wars show. I am. Um, I genuinely haven't watched it, and I, I, and I swear to you, hand on the Bible, Dan. Right. Oh, but, God, where'd you get that Bible from? I don't have a, so my fingers are crossed. I don't have a means of watching it. There's absolutely no way in this modern day and age that we, two Scottish citizens. Law abiding, law abiding Scottish citizens could access the hmm. first episode of Star Wars: The Mandalorian, a Disney Plus no way streaming show. Absolutely no way. But <laughs> if you were to have watched it, I think the funny thing is, is the fact that like we genuinely haven't watched it. So it sounds like we're building up to be like hypothetically, if you had watched it, what do you think? But we literally haven't, or at least I haven't. Have you I watched? haven't. No. Okay, I'm not that interested you, in this. The blink once if you if you have actually watched it. It's <laughs> a sporadic, like, seven blinks. Um, but do you not think that is the, the fucking stupidest move? Well, I don't think it's a deliberate move, though. That's the problem. But do you not think, like, if if you... Okay, so maybe I, I, I was under the impression that America was the only 
country that had gotten it thus far. But you're saying like we're one of the few countries who hasn't. I'm gotten pretty it? sure it's the reverse. I think we're one of the few exceptions. Because I think you would you would surely, surely you would just wait the four months well, for the whole world. For the well, not for to re- yeah to release the Mandalorian. I would say launch Disney Plus, but like pick something else to launch it with, not a Star Wars show because everyone's gonna pirate that. Fucking everyone's gonna pirate it. Everyone. In the UK, that those pirated numbers aren't too bad, I guess, when you're talking worldwide. That's true, and I guess apparently there's like 10 million people signed up for Disney Plus on opening day. Wow, was it 10 million? That's not, that is a quite significant, significant. Which is like fucking the UK is not going to make like a wee dent in that number. No, so I, I think they're they're clearly willing to take their risk on yeah. this one. I just think it's a. I think it's a bold, it's a bold move. It was the, it was the deliberate decision with Ant Man and the Wasp. We mm. talked about that earlier, where they decided in the UK to delay it because of football, and then most people I That's knew. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. They they didn't release it in the cinema for a couple of months because it was the World Cup that year. Yeah. And you're like, most people I talked to, most Marvel fans I talked to, had already seen it. Yeah. They just watched a bad copy online. And I think also the the thing with that whole situation was like, most people who really give a shit about seeing Ant-Man don't give a fuck about the World Cup <laughs> you know what I mean or, I don't know that's a broad generalisation I I I yeah. but I just feel like the two don't I think cross over as much as maybe well, Disney thought they did it's like the sports fans like uh, who watch um, what do you call it the Super Bowl Yeah. the reason why Super Bowl is so appealing to Marvel and Disney is because they're probably the majority of fans who wouldn't know that a Marvel film's coming out this yeah. year. They're too busy t- keeping track of the football and they're like, oh, look, there's your new Captain America coming out this summer. I didn't even, I really liked the last one. Yeah. What was it called again? You know, they're the kind, that's why they advertise that's at the Super Bowl. To. Your broad audience. That's why they want to advertise during sports because they're the people that already, the people, the fucking geeks, they all know about <laughs> it. They've read it. They've they're analyzed every single cast of position. But like, the, the sports fans they don't know yeah plus who's like who out like the world cup because <laughs> it's not like for the majority of citizens in the uk the world cup costs anything also the world cup's not on like it's not on 24 <laughs> seconds exactly who's like oh I, I would love to see ant-man this week but, but the, the, world cup. <laughs> the world cup consumes my every you know, week because obviously i've had to quit my day job <laughs> because the world cup consumes all i haven't seen my child in weeks <laughs> you should see me when i'm a celebrity's on oh i don't work for the whole time are you interested in the mandalorian like are you chomping at the bit do you feel cheated no, not I'm not. Right I'm not really a big Star Wars. I always say yeah. to people when I'm talking about Star Wars, I'm not a Star Wars fan. I'm mm. a movie fan. Yeah, and as a movie, we fan, always say that because we say the same thing about the Marvel movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as a movie fan, I'm interested in knowing what the mm. the the new Star Wars film is. But for the Mandalorian, I'm not that fussed. There was obviously the Mandalorian. I think my thing with it is it was sold. It sold as a spaghetti western. That's their hot new take. On the Star Wars universe, they're going to do a spaghetti western style show with the Mandalorian set in the Star Wars universe, and I was like, "Yep, that sounds sounds fine, makes sense." A lot of desert planets, it's mostly what Star Wars is comprised <laughs> of. A lot of desert planets, so like it makes a lot of sense. And then they released a clip the other day, and it's—I don't know if you saw it—like the Mandalorian is sat in a bar, and then these guys come in and they kind of rough him up, and they're smack talking him and then the Mandalorian kicks the fuck out of them and I watched that clip and I went yep that is exactly what I pictured that would be when they announced this show 
like completely unsurprising just yeah un un what's the word i'm looking for it's safe yeah yeah it's very safe oh it's a yeah. oh it's a little bit different because we're going for more of a western vibe and it's like yeah it's still just effectively just boba I mean, fett it's not like about. this is because you couldn't make the boba fett movie so you make this yeah so. it's not like because they say oh the the twist on this star wars property is it's a western vibe mm. it's not like western vibes were absent from the rest of star mm. wars i mean what is han solo if not yeah. a cowboy what has been what's been your favorite out of the new star wars stuff like the two star wars stories the two numbered films and then a tv show we haven't seen <laughs> uh my favorite is the tv show i haven't seen no i'm joking <laughs> uh, what am i like i haven't seen um Force Awakens. Force Awakens. Only I I I think Last Jedi is a really interesting film. I really like Last Jedi, but I think this is the thing because they, they've fucking bombarded with us with so much shape. Mm. But remember how fucking magical it was—the hype before Force oh, Awakens. Insanity. Like it was. Yeah. The first Star we Wars caught Star film. Wars fever. Yeah, like it was. It was on cheese strings. <laughs> I've said that on this podcast before. <laughs> but that was the one that blew my mind, was that it was on fucking cheese It was on Froobs. Froobs? Packets of Froobs. No one told was me Froobs like Star Wars existed. BB-8 was on a Froob. And I bought, uh, before I even saw the movie, I had a fucking Kylo Ren, and I had a BB-8. <laughs> I bought into it fully. Yeah, the, the hype was so tangible. Oh, yeah. and I, I saw it, and I was like, that's the greatest film I've ever seen. And uh, flash forward... Couple of years later, you rewatch it and you go, "That's fine." Yeah, <laughs> but it, it did such a good job of delivering on the hype that it was 100%. building up. Um, I remember like counting down days. You don't do that for films very often, but you're like, "Yeah, oh, I was." I remember pumped. saying for like a week, "Oh, do you know, in a week's time, I don't, I would have seen Star Wars: Force Awakens." That's it, because yeah. it was so long in the making. You're like, "That's such a bizarre like." It was almost impossible it was ever yeah. going to come out. It always felt like, oh, Star Wars Force Awakens is never going to come out. It's just a dream everyone yeah. has. Um, and that was exciting. And seeing it, um, the hype, it were like seeing it in cinema, it was really, really fun. There was like a, a lot of, like some cheering and stuff. Um, and it was an exciting film and it was great. Even the, the trailer, I feel like I can still picture like the oh, rhythm yeah. of the trailer. That trailer is outstanding. Yeah. That like <clears throat> third theatrical full length trailer is outstanding hmm. because it's just it, it shows you everything you want to see in Star or that you wanted to see in Star Wars like everything was back but it looked it, you know it was updated it, yeah. looked, incre- it looked fucking incredible <coughs> it the cinematography alone like was in- unfathomable and it didn't like the trailer was so great and not showing you anything so you were so hyped for this movie because you didn't even know what this movie was going to be mm. like it was just nothing they really really went for it in terms of the marketing and it was um that's the best that the star wars has been and then that trailer <laughs> that trailer <laughs> the hype that's the best and star the film wars the film uh delivering on the hype yeah uh, and then it was weird because like i remember the next christmas it was coming up to rogue one and you're like oh yeah rogue one's coming yeah. up that's so strange because we've we only just had force awakens we're all still needing time to calm yeah. down we're all we're all ah uh, Start, we've, still, still we've, we've, still, we've still got the shakes from yeah. Star Wars fever. Um, still got a little bit of the sweat. And then Rogue One comes around and you're like, Jesus Christ, this that is... took my sweats right away. Yeah. yeah. 
did not enjoy that <laughs> and then I, I, by the time Last Jedi came around after Rogue One you kind of didn't feel like you had any build up anymore mm. so that's what they've had to do now They've but, that's it and then they did Solo which was only like was less the than equivalent of just a sort of dry fart <laughs> that no it was just and like no one really paid attention to it it just came and went uh, have you how many did you see that film in cinema yeah have you seen it since no nearby can you remember anything about it? No. Nah, neither can I. Do you talk to anyone who's like a fan of that movie? <laughs> no one. No one's ever gone, oh, do you know what I fucking love? Han Solo. It's when you read like fucking Reddit comments and stuff about Star Wars and people are like, ugh, the fucking, they fucked up the episode so bad. Like Rogue One and Solo, those are the two, those are the two best things to come out of Star Wars. Like, and I'm like, no, it's, opinions are fine. <laughs> Yours is wrong. wrong. <laughs> <sighs> I feel um, like people got on board with Rogue One because the last third is really fucking good. Yeah. But you have to get through the two. Well, that's it's you. The last third is it's exciting. You have no investment in any characters no. whatsoever, and they're all just being killed, and I don't care. But yeah, oh. that's fine. Explosions are cool. It's the way that battle was directed. I always pray. I'll praise that that battle was directed in a way where you never lost sense of the action and mm. you always had an understanding of where characters were going you didn't particularly care why they were going yeah. there but you always cared like you you understood where they were going it was really well done you know what my favorite part of rogue one is go on it's fucking it's forrest whitaker aye that when he decides to stay in the collapsing his cave. introduction when he walks in a firework just went off whoa that's weird it's fucking do they know what day it is? It's like the 13th of November. This is not They don't remember. They, they didn't remember. They forgot. <laughs> <laughs> now they're trying to pick up the slack. Um, the His fucking introduction, where he comes in and he's doing that weird voice where he's like, Lies! Deceptions! And then he fucking, like, brings out this big worm thing and he's like, Wongali! <laughs> brings out this big worm that, like, sucks on the guy's head. And I remember watching that and being like, this is fucking weird. And I love it. Like this is the kind of shit I want out of Star Wars now. It's like like kind of crazier stuff. Um, and then he just decides that he's done fighting and he dies. And then you're like, oh, best part of this movie just just died. And he doesn't. He doesn't have a reason to go to back die. to the bland characters and the. Mm. Not good. But do you think like because <laughs> they they got this TV series and then they've got mm. the Obi Wan and they what they're doing with the films is that they're resting Star Wars. They're like the Bob Iger, everyone's favorite Bob Iger. It's come out and he's like, we're not going to do Star Wars for a few years. Yeah, we before. ran it into the ground so fucking quickly. <laughs> but do you think that with the Disney Plus shows that it's you're going to feel like Star Wars has gone away? I don't know. Because it depends if you choose to watch them or not. Yeah, I mean, there is that. But like, if the, the hype's still there behind the Mandalorian and stuff. And then the hype for... Because I think the Obi-Wan series will be quite... I think the Obi-Wan will be It'll be pretty big. hyped up. Yeah, because yeah. oh, yeah. that's you and McGregor. McGregor. Yeah, that's like a... That is a returning character, character that yeah. everyone loves. Um, so that would be pretty hyped. So by the time they're like, right now we're doing another Star Wars film, I don't might not even feel like Star Wars is even left. It might still be there. Yeah. I don't know, but then yeah, I guess like I said, I, I mean, it definitely there's another one. Someone's fucking letting off fireworks in the background. This is good content. Not <laughs> um, even I can see it, listeners. Yeah, so I don't you worry I, about it. I don't know. I just don't think there's there's no there's no there's no part of me that's like excited for the Mandalorian like I'm watching it purely out of the kind of conversation aspect of it mm. I know people are going to be talking about it and like I want to have an, an opinion mm. but I think if the first episode doesn't grab me like I'm not going to I'm not going to keep going because there's it. too much good TV and I'm not that fussed about Star Wars anyway like I think I've learned that with them putting out this this 
kind of Rogue One and Solo, where I'm like, I kind of just like the episode stuff. I like the big stuff, and the other things just don't... They don't really appeal to me all that much, the expanded universe stuff. If they moved away from the fucking 30 years that they just keep shoving all the content into, like that that space between like Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens, if they just did anything else, maybe I'd be a bit more interested, but... Yeah. I don't think they have intentions of that anytime soon. I, I mean, the, I, I, what I am excited for is the if Ryan Johnson gets to make this fucking trilogy. Yeah, like I, I'm into that. I don't think that's happening, is it? Well, I don't know. I mean, the, the 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 what's it one? The Game of Thrones one isn't happening now. Yeah. So, do you think that's got anything to do with the way they finish Game of Thrones? One hundred. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because well, I, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it must. It's too coincidental. Yeah. Although maybe they've cancelled basically every project, haven't they? Because yeah. they. they um, remember when Josh Trank was going to do a movie? Oh, well, no, he was going to do Rogue One, wasn't he? No, he was going to do a Boba Fett film. He, that was which it. I assume is what has now turned into the Mandalorian. The Mandalorian yeah, because it might as well. Just, I mean, again, haven't watched it, but it looks like it might as well just be the Boba Fett show. Um, but uh, which would be a great talk show. <laughs> um, For my it, next guest, <laughs> maybe you can invent a, an app like Ellen DeGeneres. Put, he can put his put his phone on his hair, helmet and then just go up and down like the 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 heads up one. Did Ellen DeGeneres invent heads up? What? Yeah, <laughs> did she? Yeah, it's all over our show. Like she gets guests to play it. I wait, but she didn't make the app. What? I, I doubt she personally programmed. No, but did it. she come up with the idea for that game? I don't know if she came up with the idea, but that's it's launched as part of her show. Really? I had no idea. Yeah, it's that that's the cartoon picture that's playing it whenever you download the app. I, I don't have the app. Oh, well, there you go. That's probably why you Ellen's just got her fingers on all the pies, doesn't she? I know. <laughs> um, but I forgot what I was saying. Um, Boom. Speaking of space. <laughs> <laughs> you want to introduce the show? What's up, people of Peopleton? Welcome to Second Opinion Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Jones, and mostly harmless himself. Scott Morrison. I'm getting a fireworks show in the background. This oh. is pretty great. I, I'm, my back is to the window, so I don't get <laughs> Could you wear some sunglasses so that it will reflect back yeah, on? So you can see a little bit. <laughs> so I feel like this this is going to be a much more like you leading the charge kind of episode. I can't take that responsibility. Because we're very much delving into like we're very much delving into your territory. The shit that you're really crazy passionate about. And I'm just kind of here as a little passenger, a little guest. Well, let's... and I'll just help. I'll help. You know, I'll help guide us through the conversation. But you're very much going to be holding that wheel. <laughs> I'm the man up front with the telescope. <laughs> when I bring up Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy Wikipedia fandom, and I'm just like, here's the intricate detail of this side character that you didn't know about. Yeah. You have, you've got to string me back and go right, Danny. Come on. Just be like, right, keep it, keep it fucking normal. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be a fucking nerd. So we watched. The 2005... Ooh, a date as well. Garth Jennings directed... Oh, my lord. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. A film that I am a big fan of, and I think have, think very fondly of, while having almost no connection to any of the other material. The books, the radio show, the text adventure video game <laughs> that came out in like the 80s no kind of connection to that stuff whereas you I don't know how you feel about this movie you have like a great affinity for the books and the radio show and I don't know if you played the game 
But I have played the game. You have played the game. So it's, you're a big Hitchhikers guy. Yeah, like, it's an incredibly yeah. hard game, actually. And it's, it, but it's incredibly funny. It's, it's a text adventure game, and you have to put your like commands in. And then at one point, I remember the house collapses on you if you fuck it up, and you <laughs> die. And then like the, the game just carries on, and it says you're being rushed to hospital, even though you're dead. And then you're, it leaves you to write a command. No matter what you put in, it goes... Quiet, you. You're dead. <laughs> <laughs> that feels very much in keeping with yeah. So the most the most I've expanded is I read the first book. What is the first one called again? Is it just called? It's the called the Hitchhiker's Guide, Guide, Guide to the, the Galaxy. I read the first one. Hmm. Did Literally, you like it? I did enjoy it. I read it a long time ago. I borrowed it from you, like oh. four or five years ago or something, and wow. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, but that was such a long time ago. I have almost no memory of it. Um, I do remember reading a lot of it and being like, I remember that bit in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, yeah. What is what is your relationship to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? What is it that what is it that draws you to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? It's your thing. You've always been a big fan ever since I've known you. I feel yeah. Like, so uh, I read the book as a sort of pre-teenager, and I fucking loved the book. I thought it was hysterical. Um, I then read some of the sequels when I was a bit older. Um, and recently, I tried for the first time the radio series, which mm. is what it originally was. Yeah. Originally, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was a radio series. And it has a weird history in terms of adaption because the the book is an adaption of the first series of the radio show. Uh-huh. And then the second book is an adaption of the second series of the radio show. But then they stopped making the radio show. And then Douglas Adams wrote more books as sequels to okay. that. And then he died and they decided to make the radio show again. But they then adapted the radio show. Oh, so the radio show is as recent as like 2001? Uh, yes. Oh. Uh, the the last few series are. Um, they then adapted the, the radio show off the sequel books. So it's, even though it started as a book adaption of the radio show, it's then a radio adaption of the book. So there's a very strange history mm, in that sense. That is bizarre. Where the the book and the the radio series almost like you can't you couldn't definitively say the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was a book or a radio. It's like series. they kind of keep jumping between yeah. what they have the means to do. <laughs> and then while before they made the last few series of the radio shows, they made a TV show, which is oh, I forgot there was a TV. There's a TV <laughs> show, um, which is brilliant. Although the effects are very dated. Yeah. Uh, they, they have the robot in this movie, don't they? The original Marvin robot is in the queue. What, do you, uh, what in the... The Marvin robot oh, from the TV I've show. Oh, I've not noticed that. He's in the queue in the scene where they go into the... The, the Vorgons. The Vorgons, uh, the, uh, the, the fucking the, office. The, yeah, yeah the <laughs> like office. the DMV business. Oh, I never noticed that, mm. that robot, the robot was there. Mm. Um, the TV series is... Uh, the TV series then went into uh, they they kind of adapted some of that into it because the TV show is where they introduced the idea of Arthur wearing uh, a robe and pajamas yeah. pretty much the whole time he's hitchhiking. So he never gets out of that. He never gets out of that in the um, in the TV show, and then in the later books and radio show, they reference that he was wearing a dressing gown the whole time okay. because it was such an iconic image from the the TV show. We had like a brief conversation while we were watching the movie about the fact that he's dressed in a dressing gown yeah for the whole movie and i was like do you think that's weird like as an actor every day you have to show up to work and everyone else just gets to dress up in crazy costumes or you know they're dressed in a suit or they just kind of look normal and then you just have to kick about all day in like 
your jammies? <laughs> like, it must be, be kind of weird. I know. But it must be comfy. It must be comfy. Better than being Drax or something, where you've got a... Well, I had to sit down in the, the makeup chair for four hours yeah. every day before shooting. And... Or Warwick Davis inside the Marvin <laughs> the Robot yeah. costume, like, try to humph about that. I, we had, they had to lift him with a crane and put him in securely. Yeah, and, totally. Uh, like, it must be nice to just show up and be like, yeah, chuck my slippers on, chuck my jammies on, my dressing gown. Yeah, I know. Kick about. Yeah, just kick about, mess up my hair a little. I'm yeah. fine. It's Martin Freeman. I'm fine. Like, it must look weird. It must be weird to go to work every day and their way of doing your, your you know, costume design is like just make it look like he just got out of bed <laughs> exactly but yeah um, sorry no but they, it means that Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy has this fascinating history with adaptions uh-huh. um, because Douglas Adams was very open to adaptions yeah. he was very open to changing things on adaptions uh, one of the, the weirder ones is that the TV show changes Trillian from the usual British fair fair hair intelligent person intelligent is not necessarily the TV in the TV show she's a blonde American mm-hmm. um, that was an adaption they chose and then Douglas Adams uh, has her turn it has a parallel universe trillion in the later book that comes in that happens to be a blonde American as a reference to that adaption choice yeah. and he was very open to things being adapted and things changing adaption which has been kind of like the, the divide in fans in because the everyone seems to have a strong yeah opinion on like what is the best adaptation because the film is very divisive the film is incredibly like i'm even looking at the i have the rotten tomatoes up and it's a 60 percent critic rating and a 65 percent audience score so it's basically like both professionally and just commercially it kind of has the same reception which is more like almost half and half yeah it's almost which i think is quite interesting well, it's some people would justify some of the things they change in this is because they say, well, it's fine because Douglas Adams was approved because yeah. he was uh, okay with adaptions. Yeah. And then some people would be like, yeah, Douglas Adams was okay with adapting his own material because no matter what way it was adapted, whether it was to a from a book to uh, from a radio to a book, from a book to a TV show, even the the text adventure game, Douglas Adams had a huge mm-hmm. input on that. It was him that was adapting it. The difference with the film is that it's made four years after Douglas Adams dies. It is apparently based off of a first draft that, that he. I wrote. also read that. Yeah. Yeah, but although they said that they have kept to the first draft whenever they could, mm-hmm. but it being a first draft, it probably wasn't. They probably haven't kept yeah. that much to it. There are a lot, huge chunks of the um, film that are just from the book. The excerpts from the guide in the movie are those all just pulled straight they're, from the they're book? basically just from yeah. the book because when he said what was it that the universe was created and it's been widely considered a bad idea i turned to you and i was like i, I remember reading yeah. that is that not like the first line in the book and you're like it's the first line of a chapter but yeah it's like i remembered that distinctly the that's um probably some of the best parts of this film is when mm-hmm. it's stephen fry who was very good friends with douglas adams might were, be one of the most perfect casting choices all the time <laughs> to cast Stephen Fry as the as narrator the, as of the guide as yeah. the book um, he he's just he just he's basically reading extracts from from the book and it's hilarious yeah. because it's Douglas Adams' weird twisted sense of humour yeah and Stephen Fry obviously has a, a knack especially from QI of delivering these you know very intellectual yeah tidbits of information and so to hear him talking fucking nonsense basically about planets <laughs> and species that don't exist you know it's like it still works and it's, it's very funny yeah so 
you, Danny, as a fan of this whole franchise, where do you fall on the movie that I you just watched? I like huge aspects of this movie. Mm-hmm. There are uh, stuff I do see as like... To be honest, it's weird because the, the book, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, is very short. Yeah, uh, yeah, like the first one. Yeah, the first one is very short. Because I think you gave me like a collection. Yes, you gave me like the first five collected. I only ever got around to reading a the trilogy first. of five. Yeah, and that's uh, another yeah. Douglas Adams <laughs> joke. Oh, for he you. sure was wacky, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what are those dolphins up to? <laughs> oh, he's got such a crazy brain. No, he seems like a nice guy. <laughs> he seems like a very nice guy. Um, it's very short because the in the book they. The Earth is destroyed. They listen to the Volgon um, poetry. They get cast out into space, caught by the heart, um, the heart of gold, and then they they go straight to um, Miagra, uh, the planet where they construct planets. That's how short the book is. Mm-hmm. Whereas the film, being a film, needs to do other stuff. So yeah. it, it goes to the Volgon uh, Volgon uh, home planet. Mm-hmm. It goes to the religion. Uh, of their then the sneezing and waiting for the handkerchief. They squeeze a lot in. They squeeze a lot in. Um, my it's like own... a, would you say it's like a like a best bits hi- highlight reel or something? No, that's kind of my problem with that. The the second act of this film, mm. I think the second act is kind of where it loses um, me as a fan because it's doing all the stuff and you're like it's good and it kind of feels Douglas Adams ish, but it's not quite Douglas Adams. Uh-huh. It, there is something. Like the the idea of the planet where it slaps you every time you have an idea, it sounds like something Douglas Adams would have come up with, but it doesn't quite sound as perfected. It doesn't yeah. ever seem quite as perfected. It's like a it's like a simple idea. It's it's almost too silly. Like it sounds strange okay. for Douglas Adams. He his books are inherently silly, but there was always like a the the whole point of it was everything he said always had an internal logic. Mm-hmm. There was like this is the silliest thing in the world, and here's like a strange um, explanation which probably are, um, asks more questions than it answered, but it has its own internal logic, which is fun. Whereas something like that kind of doesn't feel like it was. It has that sort of internal logic that that makes him so absurd and funny at the same time. The what I find really bizarre is that there's five books. Yeah, and they chose to pick stuff that's like. Not in any of them. Really? So you, yeah. So like the the napkin, uh, the handkerchief, rather. It's mentioned in the first book, but I don't think they ever go to the church or anything like that. And they um in the uh, the the second with the Vo- Vogon planet. I'm pretty sure in the books nobody lives. Their planet's so horrible, nobody lives on it. Okay. So it's not. It's stuff that they're like they didn't have to do that. They mm. could have. They've got five books to go to. They could have done any of it. In the yeah. TV show, they go to the restaurant at the end of the universe during the events of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Could have done that. I mean, obviously, they might have been trying to leave stuff for sequels, but there was five books. You know, mm. I don't think they were ever going to make a five-movie franchise. So. Yeah, I don't think this... Yeah. So I don't know why they couldn't have just taken some of the stuff from some of the other things and like mixed them in. And like, as you say, a best bit's real of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the mm. Galaxy. Because um, they the the films uh, the the radio show in the book does have this weird sort of they're just jumping from event to event they're just kind of exploring yeah. there's a mini adventure mini adventure something wacky happens and the mini adventure again this does have that a little bit though. yeah this has that feel it has that feel um, but then you just wonder why they wouldn't have just used stuff that was from the other books yeah. instead of trying to do something that never quite feels as intellectual as like 
the the rest of the film because the because right. fir- the first act and the third act are just basically the book the book yeah everything from the book as that second act where it kind of like meanders and it's like it's not quite as the same level i think the beginning and the ending of this film is so much better than where the would you say it starts like beginning and then where would you say it kind of starts to it, so is it getting to the church is it getting to it's getting to it's when they go to the church yeah. it's like you it's um yeah because that's a character john malkovich's character is not one i remember from the book and I don't know that that scene that whole sequence is much quicker than I remember it being yeah well it's the fact that he doesn't he also doesn't ever make a return he's in that one scene and then yeah because they have to get him because they wrap this film up fucking quickly like the Mm. second the kind of final action set piece is done it's like gets the girl and then they talk about how they're going to go to the restaurant and then that's it the movie's done yeah there's no kind of resolution to anyone else's conflicts other than Arthur's really yeah because they in that scene they take one of um, Zaypod's heads yeah they take one of his heads uh, and they don't go back for it (laughs) in fact they go to the restaurant at the end of the universe (laughs) Millie Ways as it's called in the book Mm. Uh, they go to that before he goes back and gets his head yeah it feels like there should have been like a resolution to that plot line but I guess they got the gun. Yeah, like, they what's got he going to do with the gun? Feels like he'd have bad intentions with the gun. <laughs> Make everyone believe his religion. Yeah. His, his <laughs> handkerchief religion. Um, yeah. So that's, as an adaption, I feel like it's that thing where it, when it strays from Douglas Adams, it feels like weaker. Yeah. And it's a, with all of that content, it's a shame that they decided to, to stray from it. Yeah. Um, but I don't think the middle is bad. I absolutely, I don't think it's bad at all. I just think it kind of is not is not quite as mm. Douglas Adams as the rest of the film. I, yeah, like I said, I have like no connection to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy other than this movie. And I've always been like such a huge fan of this film with having no kind of outside uh, influence, yeah. <laughs> I guess. Um, I've always just, I've always just found it, there's just this like, it's like whip fast, very funny like loads of like great visual gags yeah. especially the fucking dropping out of the airlock <laughs> absolutely hilarious the, the, my, actually my favourite part of that whole scene because the scene where they're going to get shot out of the airlock and my favourite part of that moment is when they're like he's like oh we're going to die here he's like no unless what's this what's this dude he starts turning something on he's like this th- it does nothing no we're going to die <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know if that's in the book <clears throat> I don't know if that one's in the book yeah. that joke because usually a lot of the jokes there's a few jokes that um kind of feel a bit more expanded in the book like there's a there's a weird like there's a joke when um Arthur's when they're in that airlock mm. or when they're on the ship for um the ship the Arthur goes are we safe and Ford goes yeah we're on an alien spaceship yeah. we're uh, and uh, we're hitchhikers and then uh, in response Arthur complains he's like oh my god Ford what's happening but in the book, it's a lot. Of, his response is a lot funnier. It's like, "Are we safe? Yeah, we're on a spaceship. We're hitchhiking with these uh, Vulcan um, aliens." Oh, well, this must be a new definition of the word "safe" that I'd never heard before. And you're like, "That's so much funnier." <laughs> yeah, like, and why isn't that? Why isn't that delivery? Why? Yeah. Why isn't yeah. that? That joke is funnier than mm. you. You decided not to have a joke instead mm. of taking what because was because you a could imagine joke. Martin Freeman saying that, like the character yeah. that, that he that version of. Arthur is that his name? Is Arthur? Yeah, Arthur Dent. Like that that version of Arthur, you could imagine saying it. It's not out there. You know, they've not written him in such a way where a line delivery like that wouldn't be believable. Yeah. So it is odd that they would just choose to be like, "Oh God, I'm, I'm all angsty and." Um, it's it's. it's but maybe weird. it's because they want him to be more of the straight man for the audience. So it's like, well, we can't have him be too. 
wacky and sarcastic. Like we need him to be more of the oh god, this is crazy. Well, it's not. On? He's not wacky. He's dry. Mm. He tends to be. Um, do you think that in itself could be unrelatable to a lot of people? Mm, no, because it's wackiness is happening around you. That was always the mm. point of the, the the radio series and the film and the TV show is that all of this wacky stuff is happening and Arthur's dry, a dry British man going, I'm sorry, what? What is all this? Yeah. Um, it just, yeah, it feels like, you, especially because they clearly had a problem with we need to make this longer mm. and then they add in all of this extra stuff and then they like rush through some of the the more funny because this is a short film yeah i i did not realize that when you when we talked about watching this i had it in my head that it was like just over two hours it's like an hour 40 hmm. it's like a cool crisp a gentleman's 135 <laughs> um it's it's like rushing through jokes like um because i've seen so many interpretations most of these jokes i just know off by heart yeah so it's weird to see some of the rhythm like when he's um in front of the bulldozer at the beginning mm. and he's talking to the the head of the person who wants to knock down his house and uh, he's talking about the uh, oh the plans have been on display uh in the local planning agency yeah. for ages and arthur goes they're in a cellar and then it moves on and the book and the radio show that's that's so much funnier than that it's like Oh, they're in. Uh, they're in the cellar. Oh, well, that's where the display was. Uh, the lights were gone. Oh, well, the, they're having a technical problem. So at the stairs, and you're like, there's a lot funnier back and forth that you're yeah. like, why have you not gone for that? Work since you seem to have no issue with like time. Why yeah. have you not let some of these jokes sort of like flesh out? A flesh bit. out. Maybe a bit. it is though because the film does cover so much ground and they have to move so quickly hmm. that they do have to rattle through more stuff like that yeah because there are still a lot of very funny interactions in this yeah. film like right after that when they go to the pub I like when he's leaving the bar and the guy's like do you really think the world's gonna end and he's like yeah I do and he's like well should we, shouldn't we lie down and put a paper bag over our head he's like you can if you want and he's like will that help <laughs> no <laughs> that's in the original yeah, yeah. that's a joke from the original um, which is really really well done so it's uh, like obviously yeah there's obviously just stuff that they've they've, they've just they've just pick and choose like yeah, what, yeah. what joke they kind of think will land better and what kind of thing needs to be discussed where it's just like it's just rattling the plot along like, hmm. yeah i get it it's, it's it's some strange choices i think that's the thing about adaptions i think that's why this is so divisive because it's it's people because who are more open to adaptions versus people who are really like in love with it and they're yeah. so protective of their fandom and i'm not protective like i don't think this film's bad because they they cut out some of these jokes i just watching it you end up i end up asking myself why why have they done that but That's i was so gonna, strange. yeah because i was gonna say though about that that um whole thing where he's like oh it was it was on display in the archives and he's like i had to go down to the cellar granted they might whip past the conversation there that is in the book or the radio show but a few minutes later they referenced that by being like by the the Vogon hmm. saying, well, you know, these plans have been on display in the Vogon science. No, in, in, the, in your local planning yeah, agency, in, local in Alpha Centauri. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, even though they don't make a joke out of the conversation between Arthur and the, well, well you know, it is a joke. Oh, it's in the cellar. Like that in yeah. itself is kind of a joke. It's not a great one, but they still, it's not like wasted. Like hmm. they do bring that back by having the Vogon say the exact same thing to the whole planet. Ah, and that's in the book as well. Yeah. So you're like, yeah. Ah, okay, so it's... Okay. It, it, Never it, mind. It, 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 <laughs> I was again, just trying to say, it's, it's a, not like... It's not... It's not wasted. Even though it's as, yeah, yeah. I, I don't feel like there is a minute wasted in this film, which is no, what no. I kind of like about it. I get what it. you mean. It never feels like it's meandering. No. Um, And I think every single character in it is so engaging and over the top that like it's kind of hard not to just get drawn into like the mm. excitement of the... And obviously even just... Side things like I think the Eddie the space the voice of the spaceship is one of the funniest 
fucking things like um where it's just the over enthusiastic spaceship where he's like oh you've had hey buddy you've had two torpedoes launched towards you like i'm gonna take evasive maneuvers now <laughs> like all that stuff's hilarious um yeah i i kind of appreciate it for that like it, it moves quickly but it does it, it in that sense, like it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't fuck about. No, it, very it much, definitely feels like a swashbuckling good time. It you really, feel, you it really, really do is. feel like, like a, an adventure. I is feel happening. like we're on a whip fast adventure through mm. space, and that's kind of why I've always enjoyed it. And even this time watching it, there was, there was a couple of things that I kind of thought about negatively that I maybe hadn't thought about before. But for the most part, I was still like, no, this is still great. Like mm. I still feel the same way about this. I felt when I was a kid in 2005 and saw it and came out the cinema and was like, that was the best thing ever. <laughs> uh, one thing I will say about this film, incredible cast, just incredible. Insane. And something that, something I was thinking about the whole time when I was watching it, in terms of how incredible the cast was, was they're, they're all being directed by a first time director. Really? I didn't Gar- know. Garth like- Jennings came Apparently, Spike Jones was originally attached. Spike to Jones. Direct this. Spike fucking Jones. Um, I think due to the, the kind of process of how long it was taken, he stepped aside. But he recommended this guy, Garth Jennings, who I think ran his own production company um, and mostly produced music videos. I think they did a lot of music videos for Radiohead back in like the early 2000s. So the, the, this guy, this Garth Jennings guy, steps in to this huge movie. Hmm. With no experience, and I don't think you can tell that he's, you know, well, he's obviously he is experienced, like he has done a lot of music videos and stuff, but in terms of feature film, I don't think you can tell that he's no, it's very first well polished. Very well fucking polished. Um, obviously, you know, it's a collaborative effort, it's not all on him, but everything like that he is obviously overseen in terms of like the acting and the cast, and, and uh, sorry, the acting and the costumes, especially like set design, like everything is pretty fucking on point hmm. like whether or not it's exactly the Hitchhiker's Guide vibe or Douglas Adams vision it's like it's pretty incredible that a first timer pulls this off because this set he even made this the second film he goes on to make is Son of Ramble okay which is very small indie film about two young kids trying to make uh, a, I think they're trying to make a sequel to Rambo First Blood and it feels like it feels like a filmmaker's first film and then Hitchhikers feels like their second film. Yeah. It's very bizarre that they're reversed. Yeah. Because Son of Rambo has almost no big stars in it. It has young Will Poulter in it. And I mean like young, young Will Poulter. And that's, and that, that, that's kind of it. And it's bizarre that it, that it would work in the opposite direction. Yeah. But I guess he had enough clout from working hmm. in, in the music industry that... Well, nowadays you, you would do a, a safety not guaranteed and then go do Jurassic, Jurassic World. World. Yeah. Um, and then Book of Henry. <laughs> which, by golly, we're going to do on this show one day. Oh, we definitely will. <laughs> definitely have to. Um, yeah, I just I just think it's fascinating. But the, the cast... Something I thought about when I was watching this was... This might my, my, my crazy take, Danny. My go on. Take. It's a very British film, Right? And the main character is a very simple British man. Every other character, for the most part, is like a big, bombastic, eccentric American. Yeah. All the aliens. And, you know, the girl of his dreams. So you got, like, Zoe Deschanel as this kind of... The, the crazy girl who she wants to go Madagascar. And then, the, you know, she's kooky. And she's the manic hmm. pixie dream girl. We'll come back to that. <laughs> um, and then you've got Sam Rockwell, who's playing, you know, the big American rock star. You've got Most Def, who is a rap artist. <laughs> um, 
playing, you know, his like crazy quirky friend who knows all this stuff and talks about it as if it's all normal and you know the young the the, the simple british man is to be like what are you talking about <laughs> i just thought that was kind of interesting i was like i wonder if in a way that is to add because it hitchhikers is kind of an inherently british thing it's like if that is to add to the alien nature of it yeah i don't know well i do with sam rockwell works really really well yeah. like you he works as an american because he in the radio show and stuff he's he's british but like as an American, he, he he you're right. He has that ability to be so bombastic yeah. and so loud and celebrity culture. It was the, and... the moment when John Malkovich's character says to him, "What is it? It's like, oh, it's uh, your celebrity. Once again, celebrity has overcome actual intelligence. Like in terms of who the people voted for." And I was like, "Ooh, that joke's aged. Oh, cool. <laughs> oh, that joke's aged very well." <laughs> um. Yeah, like uh, he he really did as well. Tr- Trillian as a, an American was she was American in the TV show. Mm-hmm. So there, yeah, well, which I didn't yeah, know until you just um, said it there. So. so that kind of has precedent. Um, <clears throat> I just thought it maybe worked more because she fits in so well into that yeah, world. Yeah, I get that. That's Arthur a that's then. a cool way of looking at it. The only cast I was I'm still not convinced on is uh, Most Def as um, Ford oh, Prefect. Oh, really? Yeah. I love Most Def. The thing is, I think it's because and this is adaption thing again. In the in in the books, um, Ford Prefect he he is indifferent because like the idea is he's supposed to be indifferent, but it's more out of. Um, Oh, you're just being petty, Arthur. Do you, you know? Do you know how many um, planets are in the universe? And you're worried about this one. It's more like, oh, you just don't understand. It's more that sort of indifference, which I think works more for comical, um, uh, for like um, comedy. What you call it? Comedic Back and effect. forth. Okay, yeah. Um, between him and Arthur, whereas most Def is very play- much playing. He's indifferent, but it's he's indifferent because he's weird. Uh-huh. It's he's a strange. He's alien. So, ooh, what? That's so strange. Then that's why he's indifferent too most of what Arthur's saying. Mm-hmm. Whereas I kind of like the original version of that character where it's more, uh, you, you just don't get it. There's there's a whole universe out there, Arthur, and you just don't understand yeah. the scale of it all. And I, I prefer that. That's the only casting that I was not, I'm not as... Which again, I feel like a lot of that maybe does come down to you, you went yeah. into it with an idea of how that character should be. And I don't. Like, well, it's, it's as not, far as I'm concerned, like most Def is Ford Prefect. Like that's the only version of him I know. It's really. it's weird when you when you talk about adaptions because like it's not like um, I think that he shouldn't. That's what that character should be. I just think that after watching this film, the character worked better in its original. Mm. Um, like the the original version works better than the new one. Yeah. So like, um, Zboard is like changed, but he works better in the film than he actually did in the radio show and stuff like that yeah. so I like his change but it, that one the, the Ford Prefect I was like I just didn't, it was a lateral move it didn't quite it wasn't wasn't as good as the original so it's kind of a shame that I mean you obviously might not have known until the film was made Yeah, but like yeah it wasn't as good as the original so what, it's not worth changing by that mm. point but that's the only cast I thought was mm. I thought everyone, everyone else is spot on everyone else Alan is Rickman as Marvin is perfect it is kind of weird that they didn't just get the original guy to voice him, mm. um, who died recently. He died um, just last month. Oh, Stephen wow. Moore. Um, Pour some out. He, he beat Alan Rickman, which is stranger. <laughs> um, Alan Rickman is a really, really good voice as Marvin. Um, it's but after listening, listening to like Stephen Moore on the radio show, you're like, oh, that that 
will always be the same cadence? Like, do they deliver it's it's the same. He's got that more depression. I think it's because the only slight problem with Marvin's voice is that you just hear Snape. Yeah, and it is a little distracting. Whereas I like Stephen Moore's voice because it does feel like it then feels like it's Marvin's own voice. It's not that he's oh, it's Snape from Potions class. It's like that's that's Marvin right there. That is Marvin's voice. Mm. I think it's strange that they wouldn't just go hey. Just come voice the robot. Like, I mean, I guess they did it because Alan Rickman's a more well-known name mm. than Stephen Moore. But it's a shame that they just couldn't have got him to come and voice it. Why not? Because he doesn't have that draw, does he? Yeah. You put Alan Rickman's name on the poster; it's another big name. Draw people in. Harry Potter crowd. Harry Potter crowd. Most of these people get were those in Harry H- Potter. Get that HP crowd in. Was there any love sauce? <laughs> was there any of these actors that weren't in Harry Potter? Martin Freeman. Oh, he is he not in Harry Potter? Most deaf. <laughs> that feels strange that he wasn't in Harry Potter. Mm. I was thinking that when we were watching this film. Yeah, like it did occur to me that he wasn't in Harry Potter. I was like, are you the one British guy who got left out? Yeah, he's in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, he's in the Hobbit. Yeah, it's not as good. Oh, look who's come round. Like Sean Bean can be like, yeah, I was in fucking Lord of the Rings. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, look, I don't mind the Hobbit movies. Well, he's good in the Hobbit films. Yeah, he's he, the he's... he's the best part. Yeah, <laughs> aside from Luke Evans, of course. Hmm. Going to that mountain with that ruddy dragon. <laughs> uh, but even, even you get so many voice. Stephen Fry's coming in as the hitchhiker. You've got Helen Mirren as Deep Four. Yeah, that's really fun. Great. Bill Bailey as the whale. Bill Bailey as the whale was really fun. There's uh, like yeah, it's an insane cast, insane. Like it's basically really every British it. person, and it's also these people like Sam Rockwell, Martin Freeman, Zoe Deschanel. It's people who hadn't really blown up yet. Hmm. They hadn't had that 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 kind of big film. I don't think Zoe Deschanel. What what had Zoe Deschanel been at that point? Had she been in the 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 two thousand and potentially nine comedy Yes Man, <laughs> aka my favorite movie? <laughs> <laughs> you always go on about Yes Man. It's really strange. I like Yes Man a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. That's another one that's a strange adaption, but that's because the book is an actual sort of non-fiction, semi-biographical British radio presenter doing his weird thing and writing in a book, and then the Americans like a Jim Carrey vehicle. like, how do we... Oh, I was right just off. 2008. Well, I don't, you've lost all credibility now on this podcast. Yeah. You Apparently better I don't it. have a mind for dates that I thought I had. Um... I, I, I'm a big fan of Yes Man. It's I haven't seen it in a long time, but I feel it's one of those films that I, I know is trash, but I, I I always get like a good feeling out of watching that film. There's no that's just a nice film. To yeah, watch. there's it, no there's no horrible elements of that movie. That it's yeah, it's, it's a Jim Carrey film, but yeah, like in a very a Jim pure Carrey sense. romantic comedy. Can you see the, the Sonic trailer? That Jim Carrey is just Jim Carrey again. Fuck yeah, they fucking redid the Sonic. They redid Sonic. <laughs> Fuck. Let's sidestep for a second. How bonkers! Talking is that? about adaptions, it's still relevant. How we're talking much about adaptions. money do you think they fucking spent? It's more the the hours, the amount of animators. Oh, some people worked some definitely. Yeah, the amount of animators who haven't seen their their kids yeah, for a very long time. Animating this fucking hedgehog, but it still begs the question: Why didn't you just make him look like that? <laughs> what was that weird? man <laughs> squirrel hybrid thing that you were creating because it wasn't a fucking hedgehog like it's, what was that what were they thinking it, rela- it relates to that ford prefect idea isn't it that like you have the the version that everyone's familiar with and then you've decided to change it now changing something isn't inherently bad mm. but when you look at the end result and think no the original was better mm-hmm. then go back to the original yeah. <laughs> like i imagine that every single film 
that has like a perfect adaptation. Say like the the Detective Pikachu film. Yeah, I reckon there must have been like hundreds of concept art of Pikachu looking really bizarre and weird, and an attempt to make him sort of yeah. look realistic. But then they must have eventually gone right, guys. Let's just make him look like look Pikachu because like yeah. that's the best design here. And with the Sonic one, they, they, I can't believe that they had all of this art, including the original design. And, and they when went, that, that one, <laughs> <laughs> that one with the two little beady eyes, the fucking human teeth, the long stringy legs and arms, it boggles the mind that the amount of people that that concept had yeah. to go through. And no one stopped and went. Mm. Mm. One second. <laughs> it, do you think it could be a marketing thing? That that that's an expensive marketing plot. Or do you think they never like? Do you think maybe they just edited that thing into the trailer? Like that's a bold move because there's the potential that no one cares. Yeah, there's the potential that trailer comes out, no one gives a fuck. Like, yeah, but then I guess it was never gonna happen because fan culture now, even for shit like Sonic, who the fuck <laughs> cares about Sonic? Like, um, but I, I mean, are you gonna see it now? Like, has it worked on you? Are you gonna see it out of that kind of curiosity thing? Because uh, it doesn't look. It, the thing is, I've seen a lot of people on Reddit, especially, who are like, "Oh, I would see this now. It doesn't look terrible." And I think I don't think it. It's not that it doesn't look terrible. It looks. It still looks like nothing. Yeah, that it looks, looks like a nothing movie. I nothing. think. I think I would see it. I think I was all like. I would see it because of Jim Carrey. I feel like. Yeah, because it's been a long time since he's played that that kind of like. Yeah. Proper bombastic. Uh, I, I was surprised that he's gone back to that after all of the the stuff he says he's gone through, and yeah. like he's, he's his character is very much Jim Carrey. Yeah, it's the Jim Carrey personality mm-hmm. that banked all of that money in the nineties and early two thousands. Remember at the end of that documentary where. He- talks about how he wants to play jesus jesus and you're like some shit's gonna fucking go down in his next movie man passion of the christ 2 starring jim carrey as dr robot i'd what <laughs> and jim dr. diesel's back as jesus it turns out the end of sonic like dr robotnik is the second coming there he is so we've got to stop jesus from ending the world but do you feel like you're gonna see it i think i would I think it. I, I don't think I'd go out my way to see it, but I think if I was like, oh, I haven't got anything to do this morning, Sonic films, because I, I like the trailer doesn't makes it look like nothing, but you know, it it, it may have more to it. Mm. You don't know. Um, I don't have too much faith that there's more to it, but like, there might be something to it. It kind of does feel like the whole film is really in that trailer. Yeah, they've got oh, it. Yeah. The Doctor Robotnik wants Sonic. Sonic's got to go on a bit of a road trip. He's got to run. Quirky stuff happens on the way. He could just keep running. Why is he in that car? <laughs> Keep running. You're um, the fastest thing alive. I like, I like what's his name though. Who plays Sonic? Oh, uh, Ben Swartz. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's hilarious. He's, he's the best part of uh, Parks, Parks and Rec. Rec. Yeah. Oh, he's um, amazing Parks and Rec. But back onto Zoe Deschanel. Right. The part of this movie that I was not into this time was the. In, like the, the the attempt to create a romantic relationship between Martin Freeman and Zoe. Because you're right, because that isn't in the book. Right. There's romantic tension, but there's no straight out romantic yeah. moment. They they don't they don't have that much chemistry. I don't feel like throughout most of the movie, like romantic chemistry. Anyway, they play off each other nicely. She, I, I like the dynamic of. They're the two humans who have been thrust into this environment. She is adapting to it incredibly. He is not. And I like that dynamic. I think the romantic element of it is so forced. Mm. 
especially at the end when they get to the end and he's like oh the, the big question the ultimate question is she the one and the answer is yes you know like this big romantic gesture and i'm like yeah like you you guys haven't really like talked much you know what i mean <laughs> yeah like you kind of had a little bit of banter about some toast and that's been it really like the rest of the time you've just kind of kicked about a classic early 2000s unnecessary yeah. shower scene and so yeah and so i think the, you know when when she turns around and she's like when when she shoots the point of view gun at um zephod Beezlebok. Is that did I say his name right? Zabov, I can never remember. Zabov's Beetlebrox. Yeah. <laughs> when she's the gun at Sam Rockwell. And he's like, oh, the only person who's ever, the only man who's ever really understood you, you left on an ice planet. And you might have blown it. And I'm like, yeah, him? Like, <laughs> but I thought the whole point was that he didn't understand her up until that point. Because she wanted adventure. No, 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 and... totally. I just meant that, you know, yeah. obviously she, it's, yeah. No, like, I just, I, 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 I don't know. I just, I just think... I don't think it's. I don't think they build a strong enough relationship between the two of them for when it gets to that end sequence, for you to really buy into. Or he loves her and she loves him, and this is meant to be. Hmm. It. I don't think it works. It's one of those proximity romances. It literally is. Yeah, we're the last two humans. <laughs> I, um, and that was something that I really. I don't feel like I've ever kind of thought much about. I haven't seen this film in a long time, but I don't feel like I've thought about it the other times I watched it. This time, it really stood out to me. Of like, this feels very forced because it feels like it's very much at that time it's less common now in films but at that time it was like oh you've got to have a you got to have a, win the girl you got to you got to have the romantic subplot it's 2005 yeah <laughs> <laughs> we ha- we're not woke yet yeah <laughs> society hasn't seen joker yet we haven't woken up <laughs> oh no they would be flipping over the tables in the <laughs> you don't understand nobody listens <laughs> nobody fucking listens to the improbability drive uh, um yeah, that that bit really stuck out to me. But I, I, like I said, I like I like them two playing off each other, in that that manner that I said. I just don't think the romantic stuff works very well, especially when there is so much else going on in this yeah. film. They introduced the mice <laughs> at the very end of this film, and that's that they built Earth as an experiment to find out the meaning of life or to find out what the ultimate question is. Yeah. Um, it's so much bizarre. Do you know what? It's weird. It, the The film actually does a better job of that, even though it's they do a. It, the film does a really. It's a boss rough job. job. Yeah. yeah, it does a rough. Zoe Deschanel picks up her bag, some mice fall out of it, and she goes, "Ooh, look, mice!" And then it's never brought up. It's never brought up again. Like she goes, "Ooh, look, mice!" But then in the very next shot, she's just packing her stuff as if nothing. <laughs> in the book, it's actually worse. It's um, they actually get to the planet, and then. A trillion mentions that she happens to have pet mice. I think they crash the ship and then she goes, my pet mice are not there in the cage anymore. And, uh, and then the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy has to go, oh, by the way, Trillion bought mice. <laughs> <laughs> she had pet mice from her. It's like, so terribly done. And I love it because in the radio series, you could understand that maybe it was a, a late idea of like, oh, the mice yeah. have to do it. Oh, we have to introduce that. But he keeps it in the book. <laughs> it's not introduced still. That's then. brilliant. <laughs> so even when he's adapting it. He's like, yeah, people bought it. Let's do it again. <laughs> by the way, she has mice. Why wouldn't she just have mice? And you're like, what? You could have said it at the beginning. <laughs> like, she could have been like, oh, I'm just feeding my pet mice. And yeah. you're like, oh, that would have been fine. <laughs> do you think Douglas Adams, uh, do you think he would have approved? You knew the man. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that's the debate, whether he was, when he said he, he thought it was necessary to change things for adaptions. 
And uh, apparently this is based heavily off, like you said, of his first draft. They used it when he they gets could. A sc- he gets a screenplay credit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that might be more to appease the fans than it has as much yeah. merit. Because it's a first draft. Because he died, as you said, four years before this yeah. film was made. And a lot would have happened in four years. Mm. I don't think it would have been the result he was expecting. I feel like if he was still alive and he was working on with that film quite closely, maybe the middle section would have made a bit more sense. Uh, like, would have stayed like the same consistency as the beginning and end. Uh, I don't think he would have been displeased with it. I think it's mm. it's got um, a sort of fun love into it, and there's a, an epicness to this yeah. film that's really, really well captured. Uh, even the opening musical number, Brilliant. which is still stuck in both of our yeah. heads. <laughs> and will be for the next few days. <laughs> so imagine. long, so long, so long. And thanks for If you want something stuck in your head, go listen to that song. Yeah. Uh, it's so epic, it introduces the title twice. And that opening sequence sets up the tone of the film so yeah. beautifully. Um, there's so much scale. I, I love the, the zooming out of Earth when they're, they're on their, their... Oh, I was going to say, in terms of visual comedy, that's one of the best bits. Yeah. Is the... Dun, 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 dun. And every time there's like a dun, dun, like the camera goes back just a tiny <laughs> little bit, and it takes like a good thirty seconds for it to fully back away and but show you the. It's all the, the scale. That's hilarious. Yeah. It's the scale because it's like it's a really impressive shot. It's like Ford putting out his thumb to hitchhike on a ship, and then it zooms out until it gets like you see the whole planet Earth, and then it just goes. It doesn't even yeah. have a big explosion. It's like, yeah, and you're like. That's amazing. That's such a fun scale. The uh, the when they go on the Vogon ship, you can see how big it is by the way that microphone has to drop. Again, down another so like brilliant visual gag. Yeah. Um, the when they go to Miagra, um, wherever it's called again, where they go inside the planet workshop, there's such a like, huge, massive sense of mm. scale in there because it would have to be. It's a workshop where they Making make planets. planets. Yeah. So you, but as it, as they're going on this like little, what would you even call it? This little trolley it's thing. It's a cherry picker. A cherry picker yeah. that goes up, down, left, right. Um, as they're going through like this workshop, you just feel how massive it is. I really like appreciate that, that sense, sense of scale. scale yeah. um, and it just, it makes the whole thing feel epic. That mm. sense of scale because you're, you're, they're traveling across the, the universe and stuff like that. It is, I, I really am, I'm like a big fan. I'm hmm. a big fan of this movie. I like this film. I can totally appreciate like the the hatred towards it, but I don't know. I, feel I don't like, I don't understand why people hate it. There's I can't even packed. say that it, it encompasses the spirit of the show or anything because I've never seen it. Hmm. So, but as my only introduction to it, I guess I will say watching it this time, it's made me want to get more into the other stuff. Yeah, like I'm like I kind of. I'd wanna, recommend it. I'd recommend kind of want to I've dipped my toe. I want to plunk my whole my whole leg in there <laughs> you ever dip your legs in the pool I can't, can't no, this, <laughs> this pool might be too warm or too cold I gotta dip my leg in first. <laughs> just dip my leg I can live without one alligator might too. chomp it off dip your leg in <laughs> what kind of pool you in I don't know but yeah it's definitely wanna, It's definitely made me want to I'd recommend the radio show Yeah, the radio show is real fun and they're only half an hour each episode so I, I, I recommend it um, very yeah. impressed by the level of practicality in this film as well there's a lot well they use Hen- Jim Henson's company yeah which um, is uh, to make the, vor- the Volgons Volgons and they look really cool incredible yeah, yeah they look amazing absolutely incredible huge like hulking there's obviously people in the suits but like these big kind of puppet suits that move, and I just was in love with them they look so the there yeah. they look they just look like they're there but also they look I don't think there's anything disgusting. in like 
the Force Awakens that looks as good as that. Wow, that's a you know I mean? that's a big claim. Yeah, that's a huge claim because I think they would touch that up with a bit of CGI as mm. where obviously Henson Company is just known yeah. for just going mm-hmm. for it. Because like you don't you know it's a man in a suit by how vivid it is, mm-hmm. but you don't think of it as that because you do see that no. like their eyes moving yeah. and the 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 way they're talking. You're like, no, this doesn't feel like a Muppet at all. This just feels real. It does. It really does. And you got to give them credit for that and the design of marvin's really cool uh he does look like a depressed robot wart davis is in there wart, for some Which reason is bizarre. <laughs> yeah it's like i get it like wart yeah it's, like it's wart another davis, name but... to put on the poster but it's yeah. strange because you're like if you're a wart davis fan you're not <laughs> the Ewok guy <laughs> i guess so you're not going in thinking oh i can't wait to see wart davis in this film and you're like pardon me what <laughs> yeah where was he um yeah like the the they use a quite a fair amount of practical stuff some of the 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 head we noticed. That was the one the one bit of wonky CGI is occasionally when uh, Sam Rockwell does the head because hmm. he has two heads that one sort of folds out and reveals another one that can look a bit wonky. In fairness, but in the TV show, he literally has a, a, a like a, a head just next to on his shoulder because that's how it is in the book in the radio. I think I have seen that. I've yeah, seen, like, it looks it that. looks terrible. Like it does not like it's for a BBC show at the time. It's not too bad, but when you look back at it now, you're like, oh, there's one real head and one entirely <laughs> paper mache head. Yeah, um, it's all, it's weird because in the I understand their problem because in the radio show in the the books he's got two heads just on on his shoulders, mm. um, but it was always a gag that you're supposed to forget that Zabot Rebots has two heads, and then it will just come up randomly and say one of Zabot's head looked at the other, and you're like, oh yeah, <laughs> I forgot he's got two heads, and that's kind of the joke. But yeah. then when you go to a visual medium, you're like. How the fuck do we do this? Yeah, because one of them's literally just gonna have to be a fake head. <laughs> yeah, right? um, they could have done it with CGI there, but I don't think. In I think the way they do it in the movie is. I think clever, it's a clever yeah. way of doing it, so you don't. So it can come up. You're not constantly distracted by two heads kind of silly um, or anything. Yeah, and the third arm that just comes out of nowhere. The third <laughs> arm is very funny. I love how casually when he's making the drinks, it's just like plopping the ice in the drinks, and yeah, it's good. Um, not really like. Yeah, I'm a fan. I'm glad we rewatched this. I've not seen that in a long, long time. It's good. What would uh, what would be your adaption that you you have a hatred for because you have such a strong affinity to the original material? <sighs> Fuck, man. There's nothing I have like a strong affinity to. I remember the I remember the I Am Legend film rubbed me the wrong way because I had read the book. Okay. And the book is so drastically different to the film. Well, it's the film's weird because it's thematically different. Yeah, like the idea of the book is that um, the the main character turns out to be the monster. He thinks he's fighting all these monsters, uh, and he's killing them. But then he starts to realize that they are sentient yeah. beings in themselves, mm-hmm. and he's perhaps the the monster. The whole yeah, the whole point of that film is that he becomes he becomes the monster under the bridge. Hmm. He's the thing to be afraid of. The world has moved on. Um, which is such a cool thematic idea the film is Will Smith has to save the world from from zombies <laughs> which is fine I, but I don't have like a passionate have you like, seen the alternative ending I have yes because that is more which in is more line in, in, in keeping with the theme but yeah. it didn't go with test audiences no obviously because Will Smith doesn't die in that one so um, I there, there's little snippets I remember uh, I read Into Thin Air and there's a there's a bit that's kind of always rubbed me the wrong way. Into Thin Air is the book about the um, disaster that happened on Everest mm. in like ninety eight or something like that. They made a film about it. 
called Everest. Um, I always joke uh, because the night you went on your first date with your current girlfriend, Bernadette, uh, I went to see Everest. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever your anniversary comes around, I'm like, oh, it's, the, it's my 40 year anniversary of the time I went to see Everest. <laughs> Um, That's a peculiar I way of looking at it. Remember, there was a there was a bit there's a there's a bit that that book opens with the writer, uh, I think it's John Cracker, um, talking about getting to the top of Everest and the fact that you're so exhausted, you're so mentally drained by the whole experience that he got to the top and he kind of took this look around and he didn't have that sense of wonder that he thought he would have. He kind of just had this sense of like, I just want to fucking. I just want to be done with this. Yeah. You watch the movie, he gets to the top, and it's woo! And their hands are all up, and everyone. Hollywood moment. Yeah. Um. But those are those are those. That's a little more. You can achieve your dreams, guys. Because I get that that you most know, your fingers. I get that 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 movie is, you know, turning an actual real disaster into a Hollywood blockbuster. That is. Um, there's a strange level of like. That, I feel like it? people are always like, oh, that kind of joke of like oh they made a Titanic like when are they going to make a 9-11 movie and it's like well they make a 9-11 but they made this fucking movie about like, they made this like Hollywood blockbuster about real people who died at the top of a mountain but then you know they make true story movies all the time mm. you know I get that 9-11 is on a different scale to 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 uh, ever the Everest disaster and you know Titanic was a long time ago and apparently that makes it fine <laughs> to make a love story out of. but I guess that's the other thing is that Everest is not making a love story I feel like my point has fallen apart the more I've talked about it no I get, <laughs> I get what you mean though because there's, there's a level of like even you don't have a strong affinity enough with a book or a, a, something you've read that you're like with the adaption turns out to be bad you're like ah oh, well that, that was just a bad adaption of it but um, when it's a real life story you're like whoa that's a yeah that's a the only thing with Titanic is it's not basing it on real characters they are mm. fictional characters and the difference between Titanic and yeah. 9-11 is that Titanic was an unfortunate disaster that was just an oversight of humanity whereas 9-11 was is a holy attack. shit none yeah. of us are safe like, I, I, none of I, us are safe any of the time I felt my point falling apart as I was <laughs> making it um, but no I get, I get what you mean um, that sort of a but there's no sort of like there's nothing else no. passionate weird like I'm, something I found a weird passion for was the Lemony Snicket's a series of unfortunate yeah. events, but not because of the book. I love the movie. Yeah, I see. Huge fan of the movie. And so when they adapted the TV show, I remember I watched the first season of that TV show and oh, the whole time, I'm like, it was better than the movie. It's better than the movie. It's better than the movie. The movie did it better. The movie handled it better. Jim Carrey. Stylistic The movie's better. Totally the movie's better. Jim Carrey's better. Like, and I remember just feeling like pissed off at that TV show, even though... The TV show is an, ad- an adaptation of the books. Hmm. Don't give a fuck about the movie, but I have such an affinity for that movie. Yeah, that I felt like personally attacked by the film. By That's the so show. strange. So anytime the TV show did something that was similar to the film, I'd be like, "Fucking stealing the film's ideas." Film did it bear. <laughs> <laughs> That's so strange. That like a it's previous weird, right? adaptation is yeah. the thing you're you're. But there, yeah, I don't know. I I, I guess I. If they ever tried to make a movie out of Lost, I'd probably get pissed off. <laughs> It'd yeah. just be a sequel movie, yeah, though. They wouldn't a do a Lost reboot. I don't really have. I don't really have anything that. I remember being annoyed at Silver Linings Playbook because mm. it's, it's been a long time since I watched the film or read the book. But I remember the there's the dance competition in the film, and like if uh, Jennifer Lawrence promises Bradley Cooper that if he went the the if he does really well in the dance competition, his ex wife will be there and they'll be reunited. 
And in the film, that's what happens, is that the ex-wife's there, she sees how well he dances, um, and I can't remember if they end up together, but it, it makes an impression on the ex-wife. You go, oh, look, he's dancing, it's great. In the book, it's so much more interesting, because it turns out Jennifer Lawrence was lying, because she's got, like, mental illness as well. And, like... Um, even though in the in the film Robert De Niro is this loving father who wants who wants to connect with his son, uh, who then cares so much about the dancing competition. In the book, he's just so indifferent, yeah. uh, and he's just he's disconnected from his son. And then there's this moment at the end of the book where Bradley Cooper's character is like just frustrated at everything because Jennifer Lawrence lied and his father doesn't care and his ex-wife wasn't there and like because he, he just doesn't understand uh-huh. the world because he's bi- he's so bipolar that he just doesn't understand anything that's happening and he thinks he should be rewarded for all this good behavior and he isn't it's so much more interesting than a book and then the film has to hollywoodize it which obviously it's going to do because it's a hollywood film but it's such a it's such a shame to like simplify all of this sort of nuanced emotion in the book and then just like no the, no, the dancing competition he wins he wins his wife back and you're like uh-huh. That's that's such a weird way of looking at the book. Like yeah. we're getting the most interesting scene and taking it out entirely from a sort of more a more comforting ending. Yeah, you're always going to go if you've read the source material. You're always going to go in with like a different level of expectation as somebody just walking in blind. That's my pen. Um, like the, the Harry Potter fucking movies are the biggest example. I feel like, There's but I always think the Harry Potter films they do a good a, a good enough adaption, fantastic the, job. Yeah. yeah, and like most, but there's there's such especially when those movies were coming out, there was such like a gatekeeper mentality yeah. from people who had read the books. It's so strange though because most of what they're talking about is very small stuff. Yeah, it's stuff that it's like yeah yeah of course they didn't squeeze that tiny little detail into the film because it wouldn't have moved the film along. It wouldn't have progressed mm. this story. Sure when you've got your book that can go on for an infinite number of fucking pages, put that in. But when you're trying to tell a coherent narrative that takes two and a half hours, you need to cut that shit out. Mm. And, but people, the the, hard, the fans of that show, like the hard, the, sorry, that series, the hardcore fans, like they couldn't, they couldn't grasp that. Yeah. Um, it is interesting. That I, I do think in adaption, the rule of fun with adaption is I don't mind them changing stuff, but let's make it a change for the better. Yeah, if 100%. Yeah. If it's going to work in the medium of film because they're such different mediums like I said you've got a much more finite amount of time to tell your story mm. and it's a visual medium it's a visual medium adapt away mm. things aren't always going to be if you're a fan of the source material things aren't always going to be 100% but go in with an open mind don't just fucking be like well in their books they didn't like this because there might be stuff about the film that you can appreciate on another mm. level and maybe the two things can stand on their own and they don't always have to be intertwined uh, there's so many films I've seen that are based on books and I've never read the books and I love the movies. Mm. Like, yeah, it, it's Just experience things for what they are. Don't always feel that they have to be one and the same. It's sometimes and you might enjoy stuff. With the, the time allocation of a film where sometimes you can feel like they're whipping along points that obviously in a book take mm. you so much longer. Like I, I wondered watching The Half-Blood Prince because I'd read the book beforehand. I was like, was that like a really fast-paced film? Was it like trying to get things through things really uh-huh. really quickly or do i perceive it as doing that because i can see all the points they're trying to jump through the book yeah. so i can see all the stuff they're skipping out so to me if the half blood print felt like it was like going i, I wasn't sure if it was going to get a bad reception because i was like oh my god it, it feels like it's whipping away whipping mm-hmm. away like it's like can't you can't stay comfortable in a scene for too long because it's got the next scene to go to the next scene to go to but i don't think anyone else has had that problem 
it's probably mostly coming out of the my yeah me knowing what what's in between the scenes yeah. and realizing I never saw it as like a criticism of Half Blood Prince. I just wondered. It's so fascinating that I I can see what they're missing in between the scenes. So that's why it feels so disjointed to me. No, I get that. Fucking everybody, shut up. I watched <laughs> The Shining recently. The the film. It's huge. Even fucking Stephen King himself. He does not like that. Does not like the 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 uh, Kubrick movie. Hmm. The Kubrick movie is the thing everyone remembers. Yeah, it's a fucking. It's so fascinating. I went to see Doctor Sleep, and it's so fascinating to see Mike Flanagan have to pull from. Stephen King and, and from Kubrick. That's really interesting. It's really so different. interesting. I we're not going to go into it because we've ran quite long, but I very highly recommend Doctor Sleep. Maybe we should talk about that on the next episode. Maybe we can we can like yeah. s- kickstart and I'll, I'll give my well we'll do it in our end of the year review because that's coming up soon. I'll give my hot take on <laughs> Doctor Sleep. My, so I'm a big fan. It's like one of my favorite films this year. My last interesting uh, thought on adaption that I I really thought was interesting was uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Have you seen that film? Never seen it. I love it's that film my, so much. It's one of my like blank spots. Like, uh, I think uh, you should see. It. It's a really really good film. Uh, it's based on a book called Who Censored Roger Rabbit, which is a lot darker in tone. It's like a very noir film, uh, dark novel, and the. Um, the create the writer of the book loved the film version so much that when he wrote a sequel to Who Sensor Robbed a Rabbit, it was more based on the film. Ah. So he's like dis he like I think if I remember it in the second novel, he uh, he describes the events of the first novel as happening in a bad dream Jessica Rabbit has. So he like retcons his own book out of existence because ah. he loves the original because uh, he loves the film version so much. That's quite exciting. That's, that's a really like, interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. Like you get so many offers. Like Alan Who are Moore. So protective. Alan of their Moore material, doesn't want, yeah. doesn't watch anything that's adapted from his material. Stephen King hated that. Um, I'm trying to think if there was another famous one. Um, yeah, so many people just hate their adaptions of their work or um, are indifferent to them at the very yeah. best. And there's this one guy who's like. Oh, I just I quite like that. You film. did a better job <laughs> than I did. Oh, the the guy who wrote Folk Fight Club. He thinks um, Chuck, whatever I can never remember yeah. his second name. He thought the film did a better job of his than his book. <laughs> you know, like that's so strange that you came up with this idea and then you saw someone, someone else do it better, it, made do it better. A, did yeah. a, like oh, he was like oh, the the film is much more simpler version of my idea than my own book was. Man, uh, that we've fucking rambled for a good while. Um, you want to take it home? Yeah, if you want to get in contact with us, let us know your worst adaption or best adaption. That's you could get us Twitter, Facebook at Second Opinion. That's Second with a Two. That's a good sentence. Um, yeah, we'll fucking see you next time. Don't know what we're doing. I uh, don't know. If you've listened this well, far. Whatever we're doing. Whatever we fancy. Whatever we fancy, we're going to uh, remember not to panic. Always remember your towel. Remember your towel. References. Good. Just zoom it away from the podcast. Enjoy your day. Bye. should come to this we try to warn you all but oh dear you may not share our intellect which might explain your disrespect for all the natural wonders that grow up